in 2006. Enterprises were saying, no way am I gonna store information on someone else's infrastructure. It's never gonna happen. I have to maintain my security. But you had startups, and we have to remember, Netflix was a startup back then. You know, it doesn't feel like a startup yeah. now, because it's not. You know, they were looking to innovate so quickly. And what they said is, why would I spend resources to run my own infrastructure? I should focus on my application and being responsive to user needs. And hey, Amazon is a big company. I'm sure they know infrastructure. Let them take care of the infrastructure. Now it seems obvious because we've seen this mass migration to the cloud. But back then there was a lot of fear Blockchain goes further because not only is it putting information on someone else's infrastructure, this infrastructure is run by anonymous people. So for enterprises, we're seeing the exact same thing where they're saying, okay, there are these public networks over there, but I don't trust them because, you know, who's running these nodes? And then along comes Hedera. They breathe this sigh of relief and they say, okay, if Boeing and Google and LG and Stan Bank and Shinhan Bank and Nomura or Tata Communications, you know, if they're running Deutsche Telekom, they're running this distributed ledger infrastructure, we can trust it. And so we're starting to see this migration of enterprises running on Hedera. Let's talk specifically now about Fobi. What are the benefits that we see from Fobi utilizing this infrastructure? Hey, you're listening to the Fobi Insider Podcast. Join us for exclusive interviews, behind-the-scenes updates, and all things Phoebe. Coming at you from the Phoebe head office in Vancouver, I'm your host, Deb. Welcome back to the Phoebe Insider Podcast. Our guest today is Christian Hasker, Chief Marketing Officer of Hatera Hashgraph. Welcome to the show today, Christian. Hey, Devin, it's great to be here. Today, we're going to talk about um, what Hedera is, why it's so important to our listeners to know about them and know about um, what you're doing with the company, and how Phoebe will be using Hedera's ledger. But first, Christian, I'd like to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, I've done some research. This is, this is kind of our first time communicating, so we'll get to learn a, mo- a lot more about you, and our listeners will get a- to learn a lot more about you as well, too. Um, You have two decades of experience in enterprise software in a variety of roles at startups and large companies, including marketing, product management, product marketing, and sales management. So really, how did you get your start? Where did did that all come from? And how did you get to where you are today at Hedera? Uh, Yes. So um, the year 2000, I moved to San Francisco with my wife and... um, I had been in the education sector previous to coming to San Francisco, and um, it was the height of the dot-com bubble, and it was, you know, San Francisco was the heart of that. And so I definitely was looking for a change of scenery on the career front, so it was super easy to get a job in sort of entry-level telesales back then. Um, for a uh, high-tech company, uh, it was very exciting. And then literally six months after I joined, the dot-com bubble burst. And uh, that was a really interesting time to be in San Francisco in that sector. We sort of weathered that storm. We were acquired. And when we were acquired by the next company, 
Um, I had an opportunity to move out of sales and into product marketing, which is what I did. And then I was with that company for a while and then uh, left that company and joined a startup that was doing distributed database software uh, based on Apache Cassandra, which was open sourced by Facebook. Learned so much about open source marketing. Um, worked there for quite a while. And then when I left, I set up my own consulting organization centered on product marketing to help other open source software, enterprise software companies um, with their strategic marketing objectives. And that's actually how I came to Hedera. Before it was Hedera, the founders were looking to um, actually bring the public ledger to market. And I helped with the original positioning and messaging. And uh, I was just gonna roll off. I was just gonna do that gig. And then they would staff up their own marketing team and you know be on my merry way, like I'd done with other uh, startups, but um, as we'll get into, Hedera is very special. I had the opportunity to go full time as uh, leading the marketing efforts at Hedera, and it was just too good of an opportunity to turn down. And I'm I'm really glad I didn't. Really, really glad I, I I accepted their offer. And I think maybe a good place to start with, and you touched on it a little bit there, is talking about um, open source software. So maybe we start a foundation of, first, for our listeners, what is open source software? And then maybe we move into the specifics that Hedera is using. Yeah, so open source software is just software where the license associated with it is such that anyone can access the actual source code. They can view the source code, compile the source code, modify the source code, do their own thing with it. Um, and you know, sometimes with open source software, there are certain restrictions and other restrictions around maybe the commercial use of that. But generally, open source software is one where you have access to the code and can modify it as you need to and want to for your own purposes. Okay. And I'm so thankful to have you on, especially with your background and your experience in product marketing, because you have a great ability to take those complex ideas and explain them simply so people can understand. And I think that's going to be a good source for us when we do start talking about Hedera. So why don't you now let our listeners know what does Hedera actually do and what is Hedera? Yes, yeah, so I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of Bitcoin um, and maybe you know others of your listeners have heard of um, Ethereum. So Bitcoin is built on a type of technology called a blockchain, which um, you know, not to get too into the technical weeds because we'll keep it very high level, but really is a uh, way of storing information such that it can never be changed. It is immutable. And, um, you know, this is good for uh, when you want to bring trust and transparency to certain things. So, what Bitcoin did was they solved the problem of doing money without having a central authority issuing that money. So, you know, today in the banking system, you know, when you open a bank with, you know, name your bank, 
the bank is a centralized entity that holds all of your account information in that central entity. And when you pay something, they update your record, your account record. In a blockchain-based system, all of the nodes, which are the computers running in the system, they store the account information. And when something gets spent, um, a transaction happens, all of the nodes in the system have to agree on that and update their information accordingly. And that's really what a blockchain does. Um, now, blockchains are built with certain properties that make them slow by design in order to preserve security of the system. And uh, what Hedera does is it is not a blockchain. It's built on a different type of technology called Hashgraph. And yet it achieves all of the same end goals as blockchain, but does so in a way that is orders of magnitude faster and more secure. So it, it can be fast while also maintaining the highest standard of security. And what this enables are just a different set of applications. You know, later we'll talk about FOBI specifically. Um, and so uh, what Hedera enables is just a different set of applications that are just either impossible or just extremely expensive to do on other systems. And why, why more expensive on other systems? Yes, so the way that most of these systems work is by providing incentives to the computers on the network in order to um, be able to come to agreement on the transactions, you need nodes in the system. And so there are types of uh, public distributed ledgers, which is what all blockchains are. Not all distributed ledgers are blockchains. For example, uh, Hashgraph is the distributed ledger. Uh, blockchain is a distributed ledger. So um, you have, maybe your listeners have heard about cryptocurrency mining. And so you have a scarce resource, which in the case of cryptocurrency mining is actually electricity. And these uh, computers expend a ton of electricity to solve very complex algorithms in order to win the opportunity to add that transaction to their block. And so because you're expending so much energy and electricity and compute power, that has real costs associated with it. To send a Bitcoin transaction can be tens of dollars. To send an Ethereum, in Ethereum they're called gas fees, can be tens of dollars. Because the underlying hash graph consensus algorithm is so mathematically efficient, it's actually at the limit of what is possible from an efficiency standard, it allows us to be orders of magnitude cheaper. So instead of paying tens of dollars for a transaction, you pay a tenth of a penny for a transaction, which uh, again makes these applications like FOBI possible because for you know when you're doing tons of transactions, high transactional throughput, 
uh, you need a very low cost per transaction. And what are examples of some of the companies that are using um, Hedera and this new hash graph? So everyone can go to hedera.com slash users and see, um, you know, 100 plus companies that have built and deployed on Hedera. Because Hedera is a public ledger and you do not need a license to run on Hedera, anyone can deploy their application. We actually don't know all of the applications running on the system because they don't have to tell us. That poses some interesting marketing challenges, actually. But uh, it's fantastic. It's just this very open system. But some of the different types of applications are doing incredibly interesting things. For example, there is a company in the UK that works with the National Health Service. You know, there in Canada, you have a, a National Health Service. Um, it is important that the vaccine supply, certainly from Moderna and Pfizer, are stored at very low temperatures. And you have to ensure that they are stored at those low temperatures. And once the freezers go above that temperature, actually there's a limited shelf life for when you can use that vaccine. So they are logging the data from these freezers constantly to the Hedera ledger. And so anyone can audit uh, the temperature of any given supply. So it's this very open system. So that's fantastic. Um, today, if you are flying these commercial drones, uh, you cannot fly them beyond a line of sight of human beings. So there's another company called Neuron, which is setting up drone corridors where the data, again, is always logged to Hedera. So drones in the sky always know where other drones are in the sky. And so you can have these corridors where humans do not have to be involved. And, you know, that's a really interesting new application. Um, maybe some of your listeners have heard about the NFT craze. NFTs are where you take either a digital item like a, an in-game avatar or a piece of digital art or even a physical real-world item like your house or a piece of fine art and you tokenize that. So you issue a token against the item that authenticates the item and um, you know proves ownership of that item. Whoever has the token in their account has ownership. And this offers up some really interesting new commercial possibilities around how we trade tokens. So there are dozens of those on the platform, in uh, including um, DLA Piper, which is one of the world's leading law firms and is a governing council member. I know later on we'll talk about governance a little bit. They are a Hedera governing council member. Um, they have built a tokenization platform. It's called Toco. And it allows people to tokenize real estate, gold mines, you know, diamonds, fine art. I could go on and on about use cases. I think one of my uh, you know, personal favorites is actually there's this Project Starling, which is um, involved with the USC Shoah Foundation, which takes uh, testimony from Holocaust survivors. You know, unfortunately, they are very old now. A lot of them have died already. And um, 
they take uh, testimony and preserve that on the ledger so that it can never be changed. You know that that's authentic. authentic. So for media, for disinformation out there, you know, this holds a lot of promise as well. Um, so yeah, those are just a handful and, and go visit the website and, and look at a lot more. It's, it's fascinating what's being built on the platform. I can just see how exciting that is, especially coming from you and your marketing team, your communication team, being able to provide this platform that all these different companies are utilizing where you get to see a little bit inside of their business and how they're using them and helping them use this platform to better their business. But you kind of get to, you're, you're not just doing Hedera, you get to be a little bit a part of all these exciting companies and doing all their different things that they're using with your platform. Absolutely. And um, at the end of the day, blockchain, hash graph, it's just infrastructure. It's at the bottom of the stack. And while it is incredibly uh, interesting technology, it's actually the things that are built on it, which are exciting. So you nailed it. As a marketing team, I think our goal is not really to tell the Hedera story. It's to tell the story of the applications that are built on top and, you know, hopefully we do them justice and, um, you know, that that's a really interesting uh, opportunity for us because so often in marketing, you know, you're just bragging about how good you are, but actually yeah. we get to tell the world, you know, these users are doing game-changing things, right? These are the companies that are thinking about ways to disrupt either existing businesses or create entirely new businesses. You know, who of us like two years ago could have imagined COVID and the implications there? So, you know, I know companies like yours are being incredibly innovative around that and we're, and we're seeing other applications like that. Or drones, you know, that's a new emerging business with different opportunities. Or this token economy that's exploding just offers opportunities for people to um, take an asset that they have. You know, maybe it's an old watch. Maybe it's your grandfather's watch in a drawer. And uh, it's just been sitting there. And, you know, you find out it's quite rare, you get to tokenize that issue authenticity around it. Every time that gets traded in the future, everyone knows it's authentic. You know, you don't have to re-authenticate it every single time, which is a massive problem in the industry today with so many fake goods. So yeah, just fascinating businesses emerging. Let's talk a little bit about energy consumption because I know it's a hot topic, um, probably more focused on blockchain. Everyone's kind of looking at, well, how, how good is this actually for the environment? Um, let's talk specifically about what Hedera is doing to, or how you're doing it differently and educating people on how to combat this high level of energy consumption from computing that a lot of the other different platforms are struggling with. Yes, so we talked a little bit about the underlying technology called Hashgraph that is so incredibly efficient at processing transactions that we are able to process many more thousands of transactions per second than other systems. So the actual energy compute per transaction, if you're doing tons of transactions per second, 
goes down, you know, because you don't need more computers to do it. You push more uh, transactions through the system. So the system will actually become more energy efficient the more transactions that are on the system, which is sort of counterintuitive because in other systems, it's exactly the opposite. You need more compute power the more um, transactions that pass through the system. Then also, um, the type of hardware needed to run these nodes um, in Hedera um, don't need to be as powerful as other nodes in other networks. For example, we can run fine on CPU and we don't yet need GPU, which are these very expensive uh, processors, graphic processors, which uh, also increase environmental footprint energy cost. So the nodes themselves run more efficiently than in other systems. And then there's one more thing, is that all of these public ledgers, and a public ledger, a ledger is just an accounting system, right? It's a system of record. You know, back in the day, you had your own sort of uh, book and you'd write your entries, you know, your, from your checking account, all this money in, this money out. That's a ledger. So there's public ledger, this public accounting system, public recording system. Um, other systems, in order to gain a high degree of trust in the system, have to run, you know, hundreds or thousands of these computers, these nodes. Hedera has a very different public trust model. We have a group of up to 39, uh, you know, world-class recognizable uh, organizations distributed around the world across different industries running the nodes in the network. And because they are trustworthy companies, that have, you know, brands on the line, you know, billions of dollars of revenue. Um, it's a much more trustworthy system. So you don't have to run as many nodes. So where you might have to run hundreds of nodes, we have 23 nodes in our system. And of course, the fewer nodes you run, the less your environmental impact. So we can be incredibly efficient. We can be incredibly trustworthy while running fewer nodes in the network. And as you look into the future, is that model future-proof with your 26 nodes currently? Is that going to be the same moving forward as more um, companies start to use kind of the infrastructure that you've created? Or will you have to adapt it if you have higher traffic? It's a great question. So um, we have a path where we want anyone in the world to be able to run a node on the system. And it's a very well thought out path. So we'll uh, build the council to 39 council members. So there will be 39 council nodes. Then there will be community nodes as well, where anyone can run these nodes. And we do think about the environmental impact of that and efficiency and optimizations we can make because we do want to grow the number of nodes. It isn't that we want to stay at few nodes. But we don't want to have, you know, this big carbon footprint as well. So today we actually buy uh, carbon offset credits for our environmental impact. And so the whole network is carbon negative and our governing council has committed to always being carbon negative. 
So we'll continue to optimize in ways where we're not going to have this environmental impact. And a couple of the applications that I didn't talk about are actually because we are so efficient and green from a sustainability standpoint, we have actual carbon offset trading platforms being built on the network. One of our council members is EDF, which is Electricité de France, which is the largest public electricity utility in Europe. They have a goal to be carbon neutral by, I believe it's, I want to say it's 2030. I might be wrong on that. Maybe it's 2050. Anyway, sometime. And so they are building on the network um, uh, carbon offset programs. And we have another company, Dovu, which is actually an exchange which um, first authenticates these carbon sink areas. Let's say you have a farm um, and you want to lease that farm to be, um, you know, offset someone's carbon negative um, car carbon footprint. Uh, let's say you plant, you know, millions of trees on your property. Um, they actually validate that you are doing that. And because the system is built on Hedera, if you buy carbon credits from that supplier, you can't then, they can't sell that to somewhere, someone else. And that's a big problem today in the carbon offset industry is these organizations are selling the same carbon offset multiple times to multiple entities. So, you know, that's a cool thing that we're helping with as well. So sustainability is really one of our core pillars that we think about a lot. And it's interesting, you know, I think the industry looks at these organizations now as like jumping on the bandwagon and saying, oh, we're green, we're green. But actually, it's been one of those things that we've been talking about for a long time. Our founder um, and chief scientist, Lima Bed, who invented Hashgraph, was talking about the environmental impact of blockchain technologies you know, back in 2017 and that it's not sustainable. It's not okay to use a country's worth of electricity for you and me to trade our digital assets. You know, that, that's just not okay. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for going into that because it is important to look at as these technologies become more mainstream, what is the environmental impact? What do we look at moving forward as being the leader and how should these technology companies come out? And like you said, right from your foundation and um, your founder, having that idea of being um, sustainable and that being super important for the company is something that every company should look at and consider if they are a new company or they are an established company as well. Um, I was watching uh, an interview of yours where you compared the adoption of public ledgers to the original adoption of public clouds. Um, so you used Netflix as an example in the industry by developing on AWS cloud. Um, and you stated that there was kind of a fear of the service because it was a public cloud. It wasn't um, owned by the company. It wasn't managed by the company. So they didn't have full, full control over it. So people were weary of putting their information up on the public cloud. But now we see it's a mainstream thing in technology. Everyone has some sort of cloud infrastructure that they're communicating with, utilizing for their business. Um, so now looking at... Um, Phoebe and what you're doing with the hash graph, how are you now disrupting the industry with Hedera? 
How is this a, a different example of what kind of happened in the past, how we saw clouds are now mainstream? How is this going to become mainstream? Yes. So um, great recap, by the way. So the fear of um, companies, enterprises back in uh, sort of the late 2000 single digits. Uh, so AWS, you know, really went uh, in, in 2006. And then you saw that slow adoption because enterprises were saying, no way am I going to store information on someone else's infrastructure. It's never going to happen. I have to maintain my security. But you had startups, and we have to remember, Netflix was a startup back then. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like a startup yeah. now because it's not. But then you know, they were looking to innovate so quickly. And what they said is, why would I spend dollars and human resources to run my own infrastructure? I should just focus on my application and being you know, incredibly responsive to user needs while someone else, and hey, Amazon is a big company, I'm sure they know infrastructure, let them take care of the infrastructure. So now it seems obvious because we've seen this mass migration to the cloud. Um, but back then there was a lot of fear around security and putting things on someone else's infrastructure. Likewise, with blockchain, blockchain goes a step further because not only is it putting information on someone else's infrastructure, this infrastructure is run by, in the case of blockchain, anonymous people that you don't know. And so for enterprises, you know, are you going to trust, you know, Joe Blow in his basement running the node? And, you know, that is, a, I mean, that's a step too far. So that has definitely impeded the um, adoption by enterprises of public blockchain. Then the other thing that these public enterprises did was they said, okay, let us ourselves get together an industry consortium of all of our partners and we'll run the nodes in the system. This is called a private network, either a private ledger or a private blockchain. Um, and you saw very early on the adoption of these for supply chain, right? You get all of your supply chain partners together. And now you're starting to see that's a real pain, like persuading people to run these nodes. What happens when an industry partner leaves? Now your network is compromised. How do you, how do you take a network offline while still maintaining trust? How do you, an industry partner, wants to get added to the network and, and participate in validating these transactions? How do you add one? So rather than focusing on solving business problems for your end users, you're caught up in this running of the infrastructure. And we're seeing the exact same thing where they're saying, okay, there are these public networks over there, but I don't trust them because, you know, who's running these nodes um, and then along comes Hedera that is run by organizations that look just like them running this public uh, distributed ledger system. And so now you, 
they, they breathe this sigh of relief and they say, okay, if those organizations, if, if Boeing and Google and LG and Standard Bank and Shinhan Bank and Nomura and FIS and the University College of London and IIT, which is the largest, you know, most prestigious university in uh, India, or Wipro, which is the largest SI in India, um, or Tata Communications, you know, if they're running Deutsche Telekom, they're running this infrastructure, we can trust it. And so we're starting to see this migration uh, from enterprises to actually leveraging the ledger itself. Um, so that's why we're already seeing it. My guess is in you know five years time, we will have you know, hundreds, if not thousands of enterprises running on Hedera. And I think this leads us great into the topic of security and governance. Um, so you've touched a little bit on the security and privacy of the data, um, but let's talk a little bit about what is Hedera's governance model? And first of all, what is a governance model when we're talking about this kind of platform? Yes. So governance is something. So uh, governance is something that, in a public distributed ledger system, has lots of different models. Um, there are models that are completely community driven, where in order to have a vote in the network, it is based on the amount of the cryptocurrency that you have. And the amount of the cryptocurrency you have gives you more control than someone who has less cryptocurrency. Um, that's how a lot of these systems work. The problem is that that leads to collusion. You see people having these pools where they get you know, lots of groups together in order to amass more control over the system by accumulating more cryptocurrency stake in the system. So it actually starts off very decentralized and becomes more centralized over time. Then you have uh, developers that maybe a handful of developers control the source code. So, um, and then maybe whoever the lead developer is or the original uh, you know, inventor of the technology, they have more say over the direction of the platform than someone else. You know, take Ethereum, for example. So that was, uh, invented by this guy called Vitalik Buterin. And, you know, he's done a fantastic job. But if Vitalik says something, everyone says, let's do what Vitalik does. So now you have this sort of benevolent dictator approach. And what if the benevolent dictator becomes malevolent over time? You know, these public networks are all trying to have a high trust model. So you have to be resilient against bad actors. So this is where the Hedera founders, Mance Harman and Lehman Baird, they said, how can we have a governance model that starts off relatively decentralized and becomes more decentralized, more trustworthy over time? And they took inspiration from Visa, so before Visa was Visa, it was called Bank Americard. And there was a gentleman called D. Hock who was involved in how can we have th 
this credit card system, which is run by banks that have competing interests. Um, and so he came up with this model, this governance model, where he recruited these banks and he said, you monetize Visa however you want to, but you have to run the Visa in the good of the whole entire network. So he approached financial institutions, got you know, my, many financial institutions involved. Now today, the Visa network is run by thousands of these finance, maybe tens of thousands of financial institutions. But at the time, it was just a handful. Manson Lehman said, that's a good model. But let's take it further. Let's say, instead of just financial institutions, let's also recruit across multiple industries. Let's ensure that they are in multiple governments. So if you have a government that actually becomes a bad actor and shuts down an industry, then you're not beholden to multiple governments. Your system can still run. Um, and just like in politics, where if politicians retain power for too long, you know, there's that age-old phrase of power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, um, let's have these entities be term limited, where they can't just sit on the council forever and amass, you know, more yeah. influence, not more, not more power because everyone has an equal vote on the system, but more influence over the direction of the system. And because they're multi-billion dollar organizations with high reputation, that's the other thing. Reputational risk is not something that people think about too much. You know, why are these companies going to do something bad to harm their own brands? Right. Probably, you know, a low risk there. So that's the governance model that we have. And as we recruit more entities, it becomes more decentralized. And then as the governing council gives up more um, control to community nodes on the network, you know, that becomes more decentralized. So they've really thought about how to start decentralized and just like Visa become even more uh, participatory in the future. Well, that's great. So we've talked about kind of what Hedera is. It's great. We know around the security and privacy of the Hashgraph. Um, the ecological standpoint of your company as well. So let's talk specifically now about Phoebe. What are the benefits that we see um, from Phoebe utilizing this infrastructure? Yes. So very excited about what Phoebe does and, um, you know, this initial application on Hedera. So um, whatever out there, whatever your uh, personal feelings about vaccines are or COVID tests are sort of immaterial to what we're talking about here, which is how do you prove to someone that you have had a vaccine or how do you prove to someone that you have had a negative test? And it, it just it, it's becoming sort of the de facto standard where businesses are saying, if you want to come into my establishment, if you want to fly on that aircraft, if you want to go to that nightclub, if you want to go to that concert, if you want to go to that sporting event, you're going to have to prove to me that you have been vaccinated. This comes with incredible privacy concerns, right? I mean, whenever we talk about medical information, privacy really is out, you know, top of mind. 
So how do you maintain absolute privacy and control of your personal data while proving that you have been vaccinated? A public ledger is a wonderful way to do that because all you need to share with the ledger is this encrypted ID over here. All of this encrypted private, private information has been vaccinated and that's on the ledger. And you can encrypt all of that data. You then scan a barcode. It goes to the ledger. It validates that, yes, that is true. No, and, and remember, again, with the public ledger, you know that if that record exists on the ledger, it has never been changed, right? It is authentic. It cannot be changed by design. So if you have a centralized database system, so Phoebe has central databases, you can go in and change records anytime you want and you have complete control over that. Phoebe cannot go to Hedera and change someone else's record. So what happens here is you have still all the amazing privacy and controls of what Phoebe delivers. And now you have a public record saying, yes, that all of this information over here is hashed on the ledger and it's authentic over there. And so you're ahead of the game, no question, with what you're doing. But, you know, my guess is this is going to become a standard way of doing it. Otherwise, how do we, you know, how does that establishment have trust that you haven't just copied that QR code from someone else, right? You didn't just get it from your buddy and put it on your phone. So very cool what you're doing, maintaining high trust and control and privacy um, over something that is, you know, very sensitive. And yeah, and that using that first example and what we've um, launched with, uh, which is the vaccine validation, our service called CheckVax, um, that is, it's a great example and kind of everything that you talked about is exactly great for our listeners to understand the importance. And it ties really back into all of those foundations of Hedera. And those are all the things that we're looking for to authenticate with CheckVax. But I mean, that's just the start of it. As we look past it and we look at what we're doing with wallet passes, either through couponing, loyalty, um, messaging, all of that has a foundation on the Hedera ledger as well. What are kind of the, I know I'm asking kind of a hypothetical question here, but as we're looking at the industry growing, people adopting this more, kind of what are your predictions for the future and how Phoebe can grow with Hedera? Yes. So you cited some other examples there, which are so cool because they're all data driven. And, you know, I am a firm believer that today the surveillance capitalism that we have, which is what that means is today, all of your data is stored with a handful of providers. You know, Google knows everything about you. Facebook knows everything about you. Amazon knows everything about you. And guess what? They get to monetize your data. Is that fair? No. But the way that these systems grew up, you know, good, good luck to them. That's how they have grown to be, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of, of market cap and revenue. But in a more equitable society, just like we talked about, you know, your medical data, um, you should own your medical data. And if a, if a research institute wants to gain access to your data, they should pay you for that. You know, one of the great ironies is, I, I'm sure many of your listeners have done DNA tests. I've done DNA tests. The best business model in the world. You pay them 
to do your DNA test and give you a result. They, it shouldn't be that way. They want your data. They should be paying you to do <laughs> the DNA and then maintain a royalty payment over that. So every time your, your DNA is used to unlock the next uh, great you know, innovation in medical science, if your data participated in that, you should get a little royalty payment. And public ledgers and Hedera are exactly what um, you know, you're going to uh, be able to use that. Um, I think so you brought up such it, a good it's, it's just fascinating. Yeah, you brought up such a good point there. We're used to using our data as a commodity. As you, as you said, we've grown up with Google, we've grown up with Facebook now, and that being the commodity, we give you our data and in return, you give us a service. But we forget that our data is so useful and it's always growing that there should be that back and forth. It shouldn't just be a one-time transaction here. Like you said, here's my DNA data that now you have forever. And I maybe got one benefit of knowing, for example, who my ancestors are or where, where certain parts uh, of the world I've come from. But it needs that continual transparency um, and interoperability. I think you gave a good example of what the benefits are and what we're doing and the reason why it's important that we're doing it on Hedera. So thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Christian. Uh, we're very excited working with Hedera for our wallet pass credentials, for our most recently launched product, CheckVax, and for a lot of other things that we'll be doing moving forward with wallet passes and all things that Phoebe's doing. I'm sure there's a lot more that we're going to do in the future. It would be exciting to have you on a little bit later as we've built a larger case study around what Phoebe is doing with those credentials. Absolutely. I mean, we're excited for what you're doing with Hedera. We'd love to collaborate on, on telling your story together. And thank you so much for having me today, Devin. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to coming back in the future. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day.